Welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast. This is episode 73, Super Secret Confidential, recorded on October 4th, 2017. My name is Julie Faithan Balzer, and with me is my co-host, Eileen Shue Balzer. Hi, Mom. Hello, Julie. How are you? I'm feeling good. I'm enjoying the lingering sort of uh, beautiful summer-y days. This Although, is I mean, October. I know, but it's it was nice and warm out today. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. It has meant some time for some more like outdoor activities like walking and stuff like that, which actually, so I went to a lecture uh, maybe even two years ago and I listened to an artist and she said that she always, she had a very complete schedule. Every day followed the same schedule. In the morning, she would uh, paint. Oh, no. And sorry, I'm getting it reversed. In the morning, she would deal with all her email and work stuff. Then she would have lunch and go for an hour-long walk in nature. And then she would spend the afternoon painting. And then she would go home and have dinner with her husband. And I thought it was interesting because she said that she needed that hour in nature to clear away, like, the business cobwebs and to get ready to make art. I mean, and I'm sort of jealous of the whole idea of having such a regular schedule. That seems insanely perfect and amazing to me. Um, But I also, like, I get that idea that I think sometimes when you are feeling stuck or you are feeling stymied, it is really nice to be able to go outside. And for us in New England, it's a window because in the winter it gets a lot harder to be willing to brave the outdoors. Also, when it's boiling, I don't particularly want to go out. I'm not sure you particularly want to go out a lot of times. Some of us are delicate hothouse flowers. That's true. And require a little more care. And some of us are just, you know, cacti or (laughs) hostas growing by the side of the road. Uh, So, yeah. So, I, I feel like I am wanting to... Right now, my sort of like business part of my art making and my art making part of my art making are very jumbled and enmeshed within each other. And I'm sort of thinking, I'm not sure I'll ever have so quite easy a rhythm as she has, but it would be nice to find a way to sort of divide them up, have those moments of like, I mean, an hour long walk in nature is kind of serenity. I mean, I've been taking a little time for myself this week. I've been going to Pilates class and oddly enough, that hour also feels like kind of a check-in yes you know and just like self time and I feel very um I sort of thought I would feel like depressed and in pain and unhappy afterwards but I actually feel always like really I mean always I've been twice but like really energetic Mm -hmm. and you know the old endorphins I told you that the way I first learned to take time for myself was when I took aerobics three times a week and I just made those three hours sacred and would not allow anything to interfere and that was the first time I had told people no I can't I have something at that time and I learned that it's important it's important to take that time for yourself I think so. I think, I mean, I think self-care is a huge thing. I mean, burnout is such a common problem that I read about on the internet. I mean, people are loath to admit to it always, but one of the things about having to post to social media and like have your business going and also deal with yourself and do client projects and still progress in your own personal work and respond to emails and, you know, it pulls you in so many directions and, I think that part of not getting that 
burnout is about knowing when to take care of yourself and even just like physically falling apart. I mean, I know that I have times when I am working so intensely, my hands are cramped and gnarled, my shoulders are all, you know, fakakta. It's just, you need to take that time to take care of yourself. This is the old oxygen mask thing, right? Put your mask on before you, you're no good to anybody if you're not uh, okay yourself. Good lesson. There you go. That's my, that's Julie's lesson for the day. Podcast over. (laughs) I also think we had this interesting discussion the other day about whether everything should be other influences teaching you, forcing you to go certain ways, like assignments from someone who's a client, as opposed to sometimes just taking the time to let whatever's in you flow out. And you're finding when you're taking this new course at uh, the MFA, Museum of Fine Arts here in Boston, that you're sort of thinking somehow the teacher should be giving you assignments when in fact the teachers in your class are thinking you'll do what you do and then they'll help you critique a little. Yeah, I mean, it is, it's such an interesting thing, right? Because education in this country, for the most part, you know, public education, which is what I went through, is basically a system in which a person at the front of the room tells you what you're supposed to do and you go and do it. And if you do it and do it well, you're rewarded, right? And that system, to a certain extent, still continues up until college. Here is what, here's the syllabus for the semester. This is what you need to learn. And these are the dates on which you need to deliver to me these things, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's a sort of odd thing to then be thrust into a situation in which the answer is you do what you do and I'll sort of poke you because I think we're just so used to here's a here's a task go accomplish it or at least I am I'm used to here's a task go accomplish it here's a task go accomplish it and it's also that's how you judge that's how you judge how you're doing you did well or not right exactly so it, it's an it's a whole other way of thinking to say and i think i'm a very self-motivated person mm-hmm. i think you are too so it's funny for me to be feeling this like as a void this like i sort of what do you mean i can just do whatever i want well i don't even know what i want and i don't even know where i'm going i mean so i mean i think The thing that is both exciting and frightening, and maybe it's exciting because it's frightening to me about this class is I I just decided I knew it was going to be a kind of open-ended deal, and and I decided I was just going to go into it with really a single question, which I haven't been able to answer for myself, and I really hope... And I have no idea if if it, it can happen in this, you know, time frame or with these instructors. But like I wanted to go in and say, I know the kind of art that I make. I know the kind of stuff that I do, but I am to a certain extent missing like some of the intellectual content of what is it that I'm trying to accomplish with my art. I don't want it to be merely decorative. I want it to tell a story. And part of this was driven by the fact that I recently wrote an artist statement, which was my first time doing that. And I really had to think hard about what I am trying to do with my work. And actually, so I went to New York this week and I went to MoMA, the Museum of Modern Art. 
and there was an exhibit of Louise Bourgeois' work. And I had seen her sculptures previously. I think she's sort of famously known as a, as a female sculptor and had never really liked them, to be frank. Not that you have to like art, but I just personally, they had never spoken to me. But this exhibit was of many of her prints and they were put together with her sculptures and there was a lot of signage that talked about where she was coming from. And once I understood a little bit more about like the stories that she was trying to tell and like what she was trying to do with her art and where she was going, like I, I just felt like I, A, I understood the sculpture. I'm not sure I liked it anymore, but I loved her drawings and her prints. Um, but I saw where they came from and I just responded to it more. And it just made me sort of hyper aware. You know, when you go to a museum and you say my three-year-old can do that, uh, when you're looking at like a Cy Twombly or something else, right? Um, or Jackson Pollock, I think people have often said, and, and it is so true, well, A, they couldn't, but B, even if they could, they wouldn't have the intent. And the intent is the enormous part of what makes something art with a capital A, right? Having a uh, something you're trying to communicate or an idea you're trying to work through, it's, it is the intellectual content, I think, that makes art art. I mean, that's my point of view. What do you think? No, I agree with you. And I think that it'll be challenging for you, but maybe important to go to this class, to continue going to this class and really see what comes out of you. I also like that you have two instructors, so it's not just the voice of one person. Um, yeah, and I think like that's one of the reasons I picked this class is particularly because I saw there were two instructors and I thought that that would be a dynamic that might be interesting. It's better to get more opinions and to have, you know, if you don't jibe with one teacher, maybe you jibe with another one. I mean, I also think that I was completely upfront when I went into class. It's like going, it's like, okay, I'm going to, oh God, I'm going to be one of those people who just talks about Pilates now all the time. I apologize <laughs> ahead of time. But so I went into my Pilates session and, you know, the first thing they say is, what are, why are you here and what do you hope to get out of it? And there's no point in not telling them the truth, right? Um, and I think the same thing is true. Like I went into class and I was like, this is what I want out of this class. I want to know this thing, this question that I'm wrestling with. And I think, like anything, if you don't tell people what you're hoping for or what why you're there, then they can't help you towards that goal. And I think if you don't have expectations or let's not say expectations because that puts a lot of weight on it. But if you don't have goals or plans or, you know, something that you want to do with it, then I think you sort of... Um, it's you don't learn as much you don't get as much I mean I know that whenever I teach class I ask people what do you want to get out of this class partially because I'm interested in learning why people are in class and and what things I might need particularly to hit but also because I think it's an important thing for each artist to say like this is the point of why I'm here you know because then you know, you can really focus on that in the moment. So like if the point of why you're here is to, I'm here to have fun, that's fine. That's a great goal. Then you can just focus on enjoying yourself and not being hard on yourself and getting mad at yourself about what's happening, right? 
I'm here to learn X technique. That's great. Then you're going to focus on that and that's going to be where your interest is going to be. And then you can sort of judge. I mean, and we're back to like, is it a success or a failure? Not that everything is black and white, but I do like having a goal as a way of saying either, you know, I'm reaching my goal, I'm not reaching my goal, or you know what? My goal has evolved halfway through and I'm willing to change it. So I'm hoping you're getting that. Did you... Uh, anything else that you want to take out of the Museum of Modern Art exhibit that you saw? You saw a couple of other things. I, I think. did. I also saw the um, fashion what is modern exhibit, um, which asks a good question, which is just, you know, is there anything new? And a lot of it, you know, they have sort of this is where the history of this came from and here's where it is now. But what you do see is new is technology huh. and what technology can do. You know, new fabrics are being created and printed in ways that they could never have been printed before. 3D printing of, you know, uh, things for clothing, uh, all kinds of um, technological advances in terms of the machinery that's used to... Um, make fabric and put together things. I mean, I just, I think that it is, Stella McCartney, I guess, has just come out with a line in 2017 of uh, synthetic silks, which really apparently look and feel and behave like actual silk, you know, taking the silkworm and all the physical labor of that, right, out of the picture. It's just, it's an, it's, it's an interesting thing to play with which is how does technology start to influence and change all those things i mean i even see how technology has changed crafting i mean the scanning cut's a great example which is it's you know i i am lazy as hell now if i have to cut something out i'm just going to scan it and cut it i don't want to cut it by hand if i'm going to i mean and it just happens over and over again i'm like oh well i just it'll be so much easier if i just cut it with this or sewing machines i mean i still enjoy some embroidery and stuff but if you ask me to sew a hem by hand i would be like no I'm going to the sewing machine and i think we find over and over just like digital technology i do a lot of designing now directly in illustrator on a tablet as opposed to drawing it up by hand, scanning it in, which is still technology, of course. I mean, I even just laid out some patterns for a project that I'm working on in Illustrator using their pattern maker. It looks completely hand-drawn and done with ink because of the fancy brushes and stuff you can get, but it is 100% digital, which in some ways is like it's 100% made up. It doesn't exist. It's not real. It's like in the ether it's made of little pixels it's you know or vectors as it may be in this case like it's just it's not a real thing so i think that technology in fashion everything that happens in fashion kind of dribbles into art there is no way and i think some things that happen in art dribble the other way but i will say that everything in fashion dribbles into the craft industry for sure because if you look at the colors and patterns that are on the runway, about two years later, two and a half years later, you'll see it all in your craft supplies. By the way, yeah, I, I really liked you had a photograph of what you called a jellyfish dress, which looked one way in the light. And then when you turned off the light or something, it started to glow. And so it actually has LED fast. lights in it. Ah. And so it like, you know goes on it pulses on and off with these colors and vibrates with these different humming colors just like 
jellyfish would, but LED lights are another technological thing. You couldn't have worn lit up things in the past because of like huge battery packs. Also, the lights would be so hot they would burn you, right? Mm-hmm. LED lights are small. They don't burn out. They don't require enormous battery packs. They last forever, you know, and so now you can embed them in clothes and do all kinds of exciting things with them. I mean, even for craft projects too, of course, LED lights, you're not setting fire to things now when you make a little lamp because you put an LED light in. I think that is fascinating, and I thought the dress was actually quite beautiful. Yeah, and one of the things I like that they did that I included in my vlog this week was they did a bunch of projection. So they had, like, T-shirts, different T-shirt designs, but they did them by projecting the same, you know, on the same T-shirt all the different designs. They did tattoos by they had these two figures of a man and a woman, and it's just projections on these figures of the evolving different tattoos and and I thought that was also another way of pushing the message forward about how you know so much of fashion is kind of an art which is you just you have a canvas which is the body or the t-shirt and then it's the design of what you put onto it that transforms it I think that's one of the reasons why we enjoy watching Project Runway particularly this season when they have models of different sizes it's really quite fascinating it is because it's it's interesting to think about how much you have to you can't just size things larger how you have to how curves change everything well and, they and we're used to the idea that your clothes will disguise you so that you will all look the same long and thin Mm-hmm. And when we're not going for that, it's a different uh, way of thinking about fashion. It is. 100%. 100%. Do you want to talk, um, you have the title of this podcast. Oh, yeah. Super, super, super Secret super. Confidential. Shh. Let's, let's talk about that because you have several things right now that you're working on or have just worked on that are super secret confidential that you can't talk about because you'd have to kill us. Yeah. Uh, And that's a whole interesting brain game. It is. I mean, partially because the sharing on social media, I love to share. I share on social media, not because I have to, but because I love to share what I'm making right now. But when you have these secret projects, you can't share what you're making right now. And it's really hard. Um, because it's really hard not to scream, oh my God, you guys, this is so exciting. I'm so happy with this, you know? Um, so that can be hard. I mean, I, and I think also like I'm thinking, you know, I designed my stencils six months before they're available to anybody. So I'm excited about the designs. And then when I get the prototypes three months before they're available to anybody, I'm excited about the designs. And then they finally come out and I'm already designing the next set so it's like I'm off to something else before I've even fully like been able to really share my excitement about the first set. And I haven't quite figured out the balance of how to – I don't ever want to fake excitement. I think that's a terrible thing to do. I think authenticity is one of the more important things about, you know, um, social media and all that stuff. But it's like I don't know whether I need to record stuff right in the moment and then just save it for later or um, – 
remember that feeling and bring it back or hide things from myself and rediscover them later or I don't know how that works. I mean, I also, you know, have done a lot of projects where I am uh so recently it I was doing sewing airings on HSN um with some sewing machines and I and I had been under contract to do sewing on HSN for some more than a year and had known that it was coming and couldn't tell anyone. And I, you know, went and had training and I couldn't tell anyone. And I, again, was so excited about what I was learning and about what was coming. And I wanted to scream to people, this is amazing and you're just going to love it, but I couldn't. So I think like I understand the need for secrecy and I understand why that all has to be that way, but it is, it's hard not to share. There are a number of reasons why a business wouldn't want you to reveal things. Do you want to talk about those? Gosh, there are so many reasons. I mean, one is you don't want to reveal anything to the competition, obviously, until you're absolutely ready to launch. That's one. Um, Two, I think that oftentimes people are going for a very particular kind of social media and like you know, general launch, you want to sort of blitz it all at one moment. So people feel like everybody's talking about it and it's coming, you know, from all over instead of like a slow drip. I think that, um, also people don't want you to talk about it. Projects get killed all the time. I've had many things that I was enormously excited about a line of products, a, you know, a new, uh, Julie balls or paint, like all that kind of stuff. And the projects just died. They just got killed before they made it. And of course no one wants to have to really, you know, retract any of that. I mean, I think it's, it's a sharing is fantastic but it can also be bad or dangerous for lots of reasons i mean some of it too is even just like if the product is not available yet and you start sharing about it people get really excited about it and then just like my six month after i've designed my stencil you sort of forget about it and you're on to the next thing so you want to make sure that you're releasing it right in the moment when people are excited so i don't know can you think of some other reasons uh no, but I was actually thinking the only thing I have that's similar to this is I was once on jury duty. We heard the entire trial all this time. I'm listening. I'm taking notes in my head. I'm getting, you know, figuring out what I think. We get to the jury room and they settle. <laughs> and there's this feeling of what? <laughs> I have invested all this time and emotion into something that is never going to be shared with anyone so it is frustrating it is and I think the thing is I feel very so I recently signed a uh, contract that had a very interesting gag clause in it which just indicated that you could share the information with a spouse or a trusted confidant and I had never seen anything like that before no. in a in a non-disclosure ever like in my life. And I thought that was a fascinating idea because, I mean, chances are you are going to share with a spouse <laughs> or a trusted confidant, you know, and giving you the explicit permission to do it was kind of fantastic because I think the way that you survive these kind of secrets, and this is how I've always wondered how people can be like in the CIA or spies or like some military people who can't share stuff or even like high mucky mucks at like Apple or Google or whatever. I mean, 
it's it creates a weird barrier in your personal life if you can't share those things. So I think that, I mean, I think secrets are dangerous in that way on a personal level. So I'm glad that I have permission to tell, you know, a spouse or a trusted confidant. I volunteer as trusted confidant. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't volunteer a spouse. That would be awkward. It would be. Let's talk about uh, Make It Artsy. Mm. Which is about not to go super national. super confidential. Yes. November seventeenth well. on the Create Channel of PBS. Eleven thirty and five thirty, I think it is, on Fridays. Every week. So that means everybody in America who gets the Create Channel will be able to find Make It Artsy at last, at last. My prayers, my wishes, my dreams, my hopes, my magic unicorn have all been answered. It's happening. I know. Do you have a magic unicorn that gives you wishes? No, but I ought to, I guess. (laughs) I feel jealous. Where's my Um, unicorn? That's the question we're all asking, man. Where's my unicorn? Um, but so I'm really excited because I think the show is unbelievably fantastic and it's been sad to me that so few people have been able to find it. It is a, uh, sophisticated, interesting, how to DIY artsy, craftsy, awesome show. I mean, we have guests on it who are showing you how to use a plumber's torch to do all kinds of welding and other work at home. Guests who are showing you encaustic molding of all kinds. There's so much jewelry. There's lots of paint. Some of your favorite people, some of my favorite people um, who have been lucky enough to invite on. I'm super excited about some guests that we have coming on the season. We're recording a new season in November. That's going to be epic and awesome. Um, There's just, there's a lot uh, for people to take away from it. So I can't wait for it to air. And I hope that you will all tune in on Fridays. At 11.30 or 5.30 or, you know, both if you're feeling like you missed something and you need to see a little bit more Julie Favan. Um, But, yeah, I think it's going to be awesome. I'm really excited. And then you've been much more active in the last few months in, what is it, Quilters Connection? Yes. So Quilters Connection is my local quilt guild. And they are, I believe, the largest quilt guild in Massachusetts with almost 300 members or something like that. Um, And they do draw membership from the rest of New England. Most members do live in Massachusetts, but there are some people from, you know, Rhode Island, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm always impressed that they show up. For things because that's a drive we'll see you in the snow if they show up i know right um so here there are a couple things and i have i have long been sad that there don't seem to be art guilds in the same way that there are quilt guilds and i've often thought would something like an art journal guild fly i don't know the answer to that but um so quilt guild is a lovely place where people who love to quilt and different kinds of quilts come together once a month we have a meeting there is a speaker at the meeting um, who usually gives a powerpoint slideshow where they talk about their work or some aspect of their work and then they show off some quilts in you know real life that you can see and touch and feel Um, the speaker this last month was came all the way from alaska So that was pretty amazing. Um, And usually the speaker also teaches classes, which you can take if you'd like to. I'm taking uh, next week, actually. 
a two-day mixed media fiber painting and dyeing class with Betty Busby, which I'm looking forward to. And then she'll be the speaker later uh, in the month at the uh, monthly meeting. There are also things like giveaways, raffle prizes, you know, baskets of stuff. You can also take your um, fabric or books or supplies and you can, you know, there's sort of like a swap situation or a sales situation. They have like a free winter workshop, which is potluck. They have a show. I mean, it's just, it's a very nice community oriented um, kind of thing. And I, so I joined the guild and I knew that I wanted to get more involved. And so they had a call. They said they were looking for a newsletter editor, which is one of those positions that is actually like you, it's, it's not like being vice president. Vice president is the best job in the whole world <laughs> of almost any organization because you basically just get to like be in on everything that's happening but have no actual responsibilities so newsletter editor is the real deal you know you got to put out that newsletter every single month on time and i knew that i had the graphic design skills and background to be able to sort of elevate the newsletter my interest was really you know this is a vibrant arts organization and they're putting out a newsletter that looks like it was made on a typewriter in like you know 1965 it just it 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 didn't have color it didn't have pictures it wasn't didn't have graphics and i wanted to say you know your newsletter is your calling card for more people to join, for more people to get excited, for more people to get involved, right? You're more likely to be attached to an organization that you feel is a benefit to you or that is exciting to you. So we've slowly been revamping the newsletter as I've been doing it, and it is fantastic and exciting. The, re the response has been better than I could have imagined. I was worried that people wouldn't like it, that they liked their classic newsletter but they have been so excited and so happy and so on board with everything that's happening and it is actually a small reminder if i may take a moment to preach and just say that good design is always welcome you know that's all i did it's i haven't changed the content all i did was add graphics and color and change the layout so it was more attractive and, you know, add pictures of people so you knew who was talking. And I just, I am reminded about how much design and color and, I mean, the graphics are art, right? That that stuff makes us feel alive. It makes an organization come alive. It just, we need and crave that kind of stimulation. It makes it easier to read large passages of text when there are graphics, right? Mm -hmm. So I just, I, I am really excited about everything that's happening there. And as a result of feeling like things were good with the Quilters Connection, I actually joined the Watertown Art Association, which I think I had in my vlog. They actually meet once a month and they have somebody come and do a lecture demo. And sometimes there's like a little class. It's very beginner level. Um, but very interesting still. I went to a lecture last uh, month that was about Van Gogh and we painted with walnut ink with a, uh, you could use a brush, but you could also just use a drinking straw. And I chose the straw because who doesn't like a challenge? And then this month, um, 
Becky Halecki, who is the uh, was the woman who judged the Art Association show, is giving a watercolor, like beginning watercolor class. Now, I teach a beginning watercolor class, but I am super excited to go and see, you know, she she teaches from a fine art with a capital A point of view. And I teach from a this is what I do. <laughs> this is this is how I like it uh, kind of point of view. So I'm really excited to learn what she has to offer and, you know, see what there is to uh, take away from it. And I also joined, God, I'm such the little joiner. Such a joiner. Um, I also joined the Cambridge Art Association, which is a very, and the reason I joined is because we were walking through from the parking lot in Harvard Square, um, through the lobby of the building that the parking lot is in and there was an art exhibit and you and I are always interested in art. So we said, let's go see the paintings. And I was blown away. I had been expecting Drek and I was blown away by some of them. And I thought, who put this on? And we looked and we saw it was the Cambridge Art Association. And I thought, wow, there's some super talented people here. So I looked it up online and you could join and they have a wide variety of programming. It's so dense. I haven't really even unpacked everything that they offer, but I'm super excited about that. And I'm hoping it'll be sort of Quilt Guild-ish, just in the sense of like a community of artists. Um, because I think the thing, you know, I've talked before about wanting a studio space outside of my home, which, you know, I've looked at spaces and stuff. And the main reason I've wanted it is really for the community of being around other artists. And, you know, maybe I don't need to actually pay for a space to have that community. I mean, the secondary reason is because you just want a big old light filled room that you can muck around in, but you know, I can make that happen elsewhere. So uh, anyway, I'm excited about all of it. And I will also say this, which is I believe in joining things. And you, I am super lucky to have so many things because I live in an urban environment where there are a lot of things. But if you can join online groups, if you can, you know, start a group at your local library of, you know, sketchbook or journal enthusiasts or, you know, crafters or quilters or whatever it is, or even if you can only make it to a meeting of the guild that's an hour away, you know, once every two months or three months, like I think there is an enormous benefit in being around people who value creativity the same way that you do. I've said this before. This is the reason to go to class. If you can fly out for a weekend to some city where someone you like is offering classes, do it because that time is precious. And those people and being around people who are excited about the same things you're excited about, it's just amazing. It's so important. You're actually doing this amazing two-week thing. Tell people about that. Instead of going to your, is it your 20th? college reunion it is don't tell people how old i am anyway so <laughs> instead of going to my 20th college reunion um i am going to two weeks at the crow barn and if i thought i could have gone away with it i would have gone to four weeks at the crow barn so you have to go to two weeks you're not there's two uh week-long sessions but you have to take both of them you can't only take one um, and Nancy Crow is a very famous quilter. I have always wanted to go to the Crow Barn, but I just kept being like next year, next year, next year. Plus the classes sell out in like 10 minutes when they're announced. So you have to like, because there have been people who've been going there for years and years. So essentially, um, Nancy Crow, I believe was a fiber artist originally. And you know, there are all sorts of MFAs you can get in fiber art 
and spinning and weaving and textile arts, you, there is no MFA in quilting. And there is no sort of equivalent. And it's an interesting problem. So when she decided that she basically wanted to start a situation where you could get graduate level education in quilting. So she started the Crow Barn, which her name is Nancy Crow. It's the barn at her house. But it is apparently like, and again, I haven't been there yet. But from what I've seen in pictures and from what I've heard from other people, it is pimped out. Everybody's got a huge, beautiful workspace. You know, you bring your sewing machine and like 100 yards of fabric. Apparently, the amount of stuff you have to bring is epic. There's homework before you go. There's, you know, intense days. I believe you were in the barn most days from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. And it's a lot of uh, sort of what are you working on. And I hear that people cry every year. I cry. I, I hope I'm not the crier. Not because she's mean, but because I think she's very blunt. Uh, and no offense, Mom, but who who could be more blunt than you? So, <laughs> so you you're know. a newer already. So I feel like, I yeah, it's I'm ready for up. it. I'm ready for it. Um, but so it's supposed to be one of these things that really transforms you as an artist and I'm really excited and interested. I signed up. Very, she has guest teachers teach too, but I really want to take a class with her for my first time. So I'm going. I've booked a hotel for two weeks. I'm going to drive the 17 hours or whatever to Ohio with all my stuff. I've already figured it out. Two-day trip. I can do it. Two days there, two days back. Um, I think it's going to be crazy and fascinating and interesting and tiring and upsetting and exhausting and amazing and fantastic. And, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about it because I feel like it's going to be two weeks where I hopefully will be like, I am focused on me and growing. Is it a seven day week? Six day week. Okay. You get Sunday off. So I told you yesterday, I thought you should keep a journal because I think it will be an incredibly in nurturing and uh, fertile two weeks for you. And I think we'd all be fascinated to know how it goes. Yeah, I'm hoping to, I mean, I will blog about it. I'm also hoping to vlog about it. So I, my plan is like pretty much at the end or beginning of each day to like say a few words about where I am and what's happening and then to make a video of that so that it's sort of real time, you know, because I think things change moment to moment and one day is great and the next day you're down and the next day you're up, you know, so talking about the experience and hindsight is less useful in some ways than being like really in the moment with it. I think it's brave of you to do this. I'm scared out of my mind. I am not going to lie. I am not the best sewer. I do not have a deep knowledge of in quilting. I mean, I like to quilt. I like to make things. I enjoy it. But like there's so much I don't know how to do. And I'm scared that I'm going to be that slow kid like in class. So I'm just going to do my best. And remember the only person I am trying to do better than is me. And not let my lack of skills interfere with what it is I want to do, but rather look at them as opportunities to learn new skills. Because even if I come away from the two weeks with a list of things I need to learn, how That's fantastic good. is that? How exciting is that to say concretely, these are the areas where I need to learn. And now I'm going to go find the classes, find the teachers, find the time 
to make that happen. I, the, my one frustration is that there really isn't enough time in my life to do all the things that I want to do. I want to make this kind of quilt and I want to make that kind of painting and I want to make this kind of, you know, paper craft and I want to do this kind of thing. But then it's also like I want to have a social life and I want to keep my business going and I want to pay my rent. So it's, it's, it's complicated, man. But what a beautiful, delicious, wonderful, complicated life. I was looking in that list. You didn't put in, I want to take care of my mother. I can't make sure social life. I keep her happy. And why go for <laughs> unreachable goals? <laughs> <laughs> I try to live in reality, mom. How are you doing on the book? You're supposed to be reading for the book club that you're, you've joined. Okay. So here's the deal. I <laughs> bought the book. I have the book. And what I decided is I'm flying to Tampa to teach some classes at Whimsadoodle uh, on October 13th. So I'm going to just bring the book with me. I will read it on the airplane down and at night in my room and on the airplane back. And that should be enough time to finish the book. It's not that long. So that's like six hours of flight, right? Plus waiting time in the airport. How long could it take to read this book? I don't know. I don't know, but we'll see if I'm up the night before paging through. It looks really good, and it looks like it's a quick read. It doesn't look super dense, so I'm excited. It's called Little Fires Everywhere. Little Fires Everywhere? Little Fires Everywhere. Hmm. So we'll see. I'm excited about the discussion. You're excited about any time you get to talk, let's face it. Well, let's see. come on. I have a podcast that's like 90% of me talking. I mean, this is like my dream come true. And then aren't you also, when is the Quilters Connection yard sale at which people get to come up and poke you oh, when yeah. you're sitting so at a table? A, this is a hilarious <laughs> thing that came up. So on October 21st, I believe, Quilters Connection is having a yard sale in Wellesley. It's open to the public if anybody would like to come. If you're in Massachusetts, I'd love to see you there. Um, and they are, they're selling a lot of stuff from Interweave, cloth, paper, scissors, DVDs, and quilting arts magazines, and all sorts of stuff um, that the Guild has. There's coffee and food. I believe it's from Starbucks and Panera. Um, and as part of it, they said to me, would you be our, like, celebrity at the yard sale? And I was like, mm, I don't think anybody knows who I am, but celebrity okay. Celebrity I know, exactly. The face. So they told me that what I'm, they're going to do is they're going to give me a table and I can have some stuff to demo. I can have some quilts that I've made to talk about. I can sort of do whatever I want. So please save me. Please come to the yard sale uh, <laughs> and so that I am not standing there staring at nothing, being like, I'm a celebrity, which I think will be very awkward. <laughs> we need a big sign with an arrow pointing exactly. to you. I'm a celebrity. Anyway, I just wear a shirt that says that. Anything else going on in your exciting life? No, my life is so boring. Only super secret confidential things that I can't talk about that are super secret. They are exciting and <laughs> it's really irritating that you can't tell. I know, but soon enough, I hope, unless the projects get killed. In which case, I will just slink back into my hole and have my private disappointment by myself and my one confidant. Aww. I know. Sounds like a need for ice cream, right? <laughs> Definitely. Anyway, what are you looking forward to artistically? What do you have coming up? 
artistically, you know, it's not, I'm not a practitioner, but I'm an appreciator. We're I going know. to the theater yes. on Friday, which I'm really liking. And I was thinking, oh my, these tickets are expensive. And then I realized I would pay that if I was going to a baseball game or a football game or something that, why is it, I don't know, that we feel that the tickets for plays should be so much less than the tickets for these athletic events. It's actually crazy when you think about it. So we're going. We are. We're going to see Merrily We Roll Along, which um, is a Sondheim musical. I'm not always a Sondheim fan, and I've seen Merrily We Roll Along before, but this this particular... um, not performance this particular show this version, version directed by this woman yes won the olivier award in london for best musical which is a very very high level yeah. and also stephen sondheim who might know something about it said it was the best version of merrily we roll along that he's ever seen and we're gonna allow him to have the last word so we're gonna go to the top of the mountain now and see it i guess well, i'm excited me too me too me too Anyway, uh, we will be back later, but or later, hopefully not. I think it was a four-week gap this time, but hopefully we'll be back in two weeks for you. But as always, in the meantime, you can find me at ballsresigns.typepad.com. Do leave us your comments or questions at ballsresigns.com backslash erting. We'd love to hear from you. And if you tweet about the show, please use the hashtag artingpodcast. That's A-R-T-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Thanks so much for listening and for subscribing. Remember, you can subscribe through iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you the next time on the Adventures in Arting podcast.